We're going to start a new series tonight. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about being thankful. The title of this message is The Victorious Life of Thanksgiving. The reason why we have that title is because Thanksgiving and being thankful as a Christian, being thankful and living a life of Thanksgiving literally connects you to the victory. It literally connects you to miracles. It, as you increase thankfulness, you increase your capacity to receive from God and walk in the blessings of God. So you guys ready? I know, I know this, and I said this a long time ago. The Lord said the messages, Tony, that I give you are designed to build strength in the people. So, but I could tell you this, in 2021, that goes way up. We've walked into a new place. So expect that. What took you years is going to take you days and weeks now. So just get hungry for him. I'm telling you, as we approach the end of this church age, God has designed, he, he, he literally purposed for you and I to live at such a time as this. He placed us right here in human history, right here geographically, so that we would leave an eternal footprint in humanity with our lives. Hallelujah. Well, we said this last week, and this was a question that the Lord asked me. And ever since he asked me this question, scripture after scripture after scripture, I don't know how long this series will be, might just be a few weeks or it might be 25 weeks, I, you know me. But anyway, just scripture after scripture coming up. And this was a question he asked me. He said, Tony, is there any place in between being thankful and being unthankful? Is there any space in between that place? Can a person be in a position where they're neither thankful nor unthankful? And the answer to that question is no. There is no place between thankfulness and unthankfulness. If you're not in a position where you're thankful for the things that God has given you, all that he is, all that he's made you, all this stuff, if you're not consciously acting thankful for that, you are by default in a position of being unthankful and that is why nothing seems to work spiritually for you. So God would say, let's get over. Because see, going from being someone who's not thankful to being someone who's thankful, here's the good news. It's a decision. It can change right now. So let's look at this. You're either thankful or unthankful. This is a foundational piece, not only for us as Christians, but we're going to go all the way back. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, and let's go look at the beginning of this thing. Romans chapter 1, verse 19, and this has everything to do with all humanity, but it applies to the church. Paul is writing to these Roman Christians. It was a Gentile church in Rome. Who was their leader? Who was their so-called president, right? He was called a Caesar. It was the worst Caesar of all time, Nero. Domitian was bad. Nero was ridiculous, and these, these Christians were living under this. But Paul lays out, this, this letter to the book of Romans was a complete work. And so we can go back here and we can see a principle. And when you understand how important thankfulness is, you'll understand why the enemy will work overtime in your life. He'll work overtime in your life to get you to not be thankful. He'll just work overtime. And inner turmoil inside of you will, will cause you, see, as soon as you get your eyes off Jesus and you get your eyes on things of this world, you start getting unthankful. You lose sight. So let's look at this. Romans chapter 1, verse 19. It says this, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. So, so this is talking about mankind. 
this is talking about why some people, you know, if you look at Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one, Paul is saying, okay, Romans chapter one, these people that are religious, morally upright people that are religious, they're lost. Romans chapter two, these heathen people that have heathenistic, or I should, I, I'm getting that backwards. Romans chapter two is the, the morally upright. Romans chapter one, these heathenistic people that have what we would say lifestyles that are contrary to what we would call upright, whatever that is, right? We think in degrees, well, murder's worse than this, but really sin is missing the mark. But the heathen lifestyle, Paul says these people are lost. The religious people that seem to be really good on the outside and, you know, they go to church every week and, and you know, and all, and they're, they, man, they're, they have, they, they went to Bible school and seminary and, and they're just really religious. They're lost too. Then in Romans chapter three, he starts educating us on righteousness. And he says, listen, guys, everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But then he goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then as you look at all the book of Romans and you go all through the epistles, you find out that we're not justified by our works or our behavior. We're only justified by faith. We're only declared righteous by believing that God sent Jesus to die for us. Listen, on my own merit, I could never be good enough to be accepted by God. But thank God it's not on my merit. It's on, it's on Jesus' merit. So now he's going back here in Romans chapter 1, and we don't have the time to go all the way through Romans chapter 1, those first 18 verses, but he's talking about why, how humanity really is. And this is what he's going to talk about. He's going to talk about the fact that all creation reveals that there is a God in heaven. It actually reveals the Trinity and that literally inside every human being that's been born in the earth, they know these things, that there is a God and that they will have to stand before him someday. They all know this, but then, see, and you might be saying, well, now wait a minute, pastor, what are you living under a rock? There's a lot of people that would go, no, 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 I'm an atheist. I don't believe in anything about God. I'm an agnostic, or I'm a Buddhist, or I'm a Hindu, or I'm a Muslim. I don't believe in this Jehovah, this Jesus, right? But I'm here to tell you, that's not the way they started. God, the God of heaven is saying, Every person who's ever been born into the earth, something on the inside of them is telling them that there is a God. And actually, it goes to even say that so that men are without excuse. There won't be anyone that stands before the great white throne judgment of God. Thank God we won't be there. Right? This is the great white throne judgment is after the tribulation. It's after the thousand year millennial reign. It's literally when it's all done. And now all the dead that were not, that never chose to receive Christ, all of them are, will be taken off the earth and will stand before the great white throne judgment. And they will be judged, the books will be open, and they will be judged for all the sins that they committed. Now what's horrible about that is every sin that they will be judged for and will be lost for eternity, Jesus died for every one of them. We won't have to be there, not because we're, see, good people don't go to heaven. Bad people don't go to hell right? God doesn't send people to hell. He honors their right and their decision to go there, but he will still work on them their whole life. But when they stand before God, the all-knowing God will even say, open the book again, open the book of life, let me double check to make sure that this person who's standing before me his name is not in there or her name is not in there. 
And you know that book of life, it, everybody starts out in the book. You don't get your name written in the book when you're born. Your name's already in the book. It's blotted out at the end of your life when you choose not to accept Christ. But God, in all of his mercy, is still going to be like, listen, I know I'm all-knowing, but check the book again. Because God is the God that would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. His long-suffering is amazing. But here's the thing. At that great white throne judgment, there will be no arguing. They won't be going, God, this is not fair. It's kind of like this. The Bible says that when he comes, that, that literally the heavens and the earth just flee from his view because of his greatness. And these people are going to see that the righteous judge of all the earth is a God of love. And, and, and they'll walk away knowing, yeah, I chose this. I, I didn't have to, but I chose it. And, and see, this is what burns in our heart right now. This is why we're here, to, to be light in this world. But what happens to people? This is what happens to people. This is how a person goes from somebody as a little kid who might know in their heart that God is God and that they need to give their life to him they, they go from that to all of a sudden, I don't believe in this God. I don't want anything to do with them. Right? And all of a sudden, they're, 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 they're worshiping images. I mean, it's kind of crazy how crazy this whole thing is. They, they worship an image instead of the creator. Right? So it says here, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. This word manifest means to be rendered apparent because that which may be known of God is shown and declared to them. Every person has, has literally that which may be known of God, his love, who he is, it's shown and it's declared and it's manifested to every human being. It's amazing. This Greek word translated manifest makes it very clear that this instinctive or intuitive knowledge of God is not subtle. It's not so subtle that it can be overlooked. This word manifest is, it's, it's not a subtle thing. When a person is, is born into this earth, Every person, even before Jesus came, knew. They had manifest inside of them. It was declared and shown and manifested to them that there is a God. And that they will stand before him someday. It's really amazing. It says here, for God hath showed it unto them. God is merciful and long-suffering, and he's just. So he's shown it to every human being. Wow. This is, what this verse means is that you can see that there is a God even by looking at creation, which is the lowest form of revelation. You can see that there's a God. God gives every individual the right to choose but there can be no doubt that every person at one time has clearly seen and understood the basic truths of God's existence. Everyone. Now, people might argue that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the word. Verse 20. It says here, For the invisible things of him, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen. This, this Greek word clearly seen, it, this word literally means they are fully revealed so that you can behold them. 
being understood by the things that are made. This, this phrase, being understood, see, not only did God show them, but he also gave them the understanding to use that knowledge. So God not only showed that there is a God, he showed who he was in creation, but then he gave them understanding so that they would live for him. See, God set this whole thing up where everybody was supposed to know him. But man has a free will and Adam and Eve chose to sin. And when they did that, they died spiritually. So now everybody who's born in the world is born of Adam's seed and is born into spiritual death. But when they come into the world in the Gospel of John, it says that God lights every man that comes into the world. So man being male and female, every little kid, every little baby, God puts that spirit, a spirit inside. That's how come unborn, listen, they're human. They're, they're, they're a spirit being, right? They're not a fetus. And God has a plan for them. And, and God, their spirit is alive to God. So you see little kids and their spirit is totally alive to God. But why do they, why do they look at you and go, no? <laughs> right? Well, it's their flesh. They have this nature they were never designed to have this nature, but they have this nature, but their spirit's alive to God. But what happens is as a person grows up, they come to a place, it's called the age of accountability, where they know right from wrong, and they, they, they know they're not supposed to. Now, it's not just a, hey, don't eat the cookie. It's, it's more than that. It's a spiritual thing. It's not a natural thing. But they come to a place where they make a decision that I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. And then what happens, Paul described it this way, and sin, sin wakes up inside of their spirit and they die spiritually, right? But even in that state, when they're young, they still know that there's a God. But now this is what happens though. It says here, by the things that are made, even as eternal power, so that they are without excuse. See, creation reveals God to us. Boy, it's so important that you know this. Now, people don't like this. And the reason why people don't like this is because, oh my gosh, I'm not going to that church. They believe there's a hell. Right? Well, there is. I'd much rather people be upset at me about that now rather than, oh my gosh, I just passed from the earth and I'm lost forever. Does that make sense? So, so this is how it works, guys. This is what you're dealing with. Creation reveals God to us. Everything in creation points to him. Paul is saying here that this inner witness of God causes individuals to clearly see the invisible things of God and even understand the Godhead. What, is that? what does that mean, the Godhead? To even understand God's very nature. Well, what's his nature? It's love. It's real interesting. Everyone knows good from evil. Why? See, man was never designed to know evil. We, we were not, I mean, God's like, when he comes down, he's like, hey, who told you you were naked? Right? Did you eat of the tree I told you not to eat from? Well, he knew the answer to that, right? What was God doing there? He was trying to get them to, come on, come to me. Man, I messed up. But what did, what did man do? They let the spiritual death reign. Hey, the woman that you gave me, that you gave me. So they're blaming God and they're blaming the woman. The woman's like the serpent, right? The serpent didn't argue because he's got a lump on his head from being cast out of heaven already, right? So, so, I mean, this is the way this works here. 
Everyone knows good from evil because Adam ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. See, right now we're living in a society that is saying, listen, truth is what I think it is. Pastor, don't you get up here and preach this because I don't believe that. Okay. But it doesn't matter what you believe. This is truth. Right? So we need to know this. And see, this is why when you're out ministering to people that don't know the Lord, don't worry about it. Every, it doesn't matter how much you think that they hate God and are not open. It doesn't matter because all the deception of, enemy, of the enemy is nothing compared to the light and the truth of God's word. And the Holy Spirit is the convincer, not you and I. So don't try to shove the Bible down somebody's throat because you're not the convincer, right? And everybody, we've all done that. Before they sinned, they only knew good. But here's the reality. There's a spiritual hunger in every person because they know, they know that they're not measuring up to what and who they should be. They know. Every person knows that what they do does not satisfy them. Every person knows that. It's crazy how that works. You have people that will give their whole life trying to satisfy themselves with all the stuff in the world and nothing they can do or have can satisfy them. Right? There's no mountain that's high enough. There's no, right? I mean, you know, you know all the songs, right? It's nothing in this world can satisfy. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And people will come. And it's sad because people will come into the church and they're like, you know, you know, I'm, I, I really kind of have this desire for God. So I'm going to come into church. And, and you know, Pastor you know, that was a really good sermon, so I'll be back because I like that. Man, every time I hear that, I just feel like going, well, it won't be long until I say something that you don't like. And you'll be out. And then here we go again. The process will start. Death, 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 until maybe you run and you decide and hit rock bottom and go, okay, well, let me try this God thing again. Now, the good news about God is he'll never give up on you. Amen. Right? But this is why we, we have to preach the truth. Why am I saying all this? Because if we don't get this right, if we don't understand this principle... Forget thankfulness. Forget thanksgiving. You'll be up to here with self-centeredness and selfishness, and all it will do is connect you to fear, which will open the door for the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. But if you get over that and see this, it'll help you. Everybody knows that what they do will never satisfy them. There's a pull towards God. There's a spiritual hunger. See, this is why, watch. I'm telling you, we're going to keep preaching the word. We're going to keep, we're going to keep talking about the anointing and the Holy Spirit. We're going to keep preaching it stronger and stronger and stronger. And I'm telling you, people are going to run to the truth because everything else is just all over the place. And this is not moving. We're not moving. The word of God cannot be shaken. Right? Phineas, when we were at prayer, man, we had a couple days of prayer, Monday night and Tuesday night here that were fantastic. She quoted Psalm 125.1. Right? They that trust in the Lord shall be like Mount Zion, which, here we go, cannot be moved. You know, in, in the Hebrew language, it cannot be removed. See, the church will never be removed. We'll be caught up by the head of the church, but we'll never be removed or even shaken by the enemy. 
So verse 21, because that, so now here we go, because that when they knew God, what is he saying? This means that they had the knowledge of right and wrong on the inside, but it does not mean they were once saved. They glorified him not as God. They didn't honor him or magnify him as God. So they knew there was a God, but they chose not to glorify him as God. Neither were they, here we go, thankful. What happened to them when they chose not to glorify God as God and they're not thankful? It says here, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. See, and this is talking about reaching that age of accountability, but I got to tell you, this is what happens to people who know the Lord. They hear these things. They, they learn some things about God, but they choose not to glorify him as God. And they're not thankful. And what happens, they're, they're, they're start, something starts in their mind. It's called a vain imagination. It's a movie that starts playing in your mind. You've heard me talk about this before. It's the way God made our minds. This movie starts playing where you see yourself living in a manner that's contrary to this word. You're so consumed by what others have done to you that you hate and don't walk in forgiveness. Why? Why does somebody walk in unforgiveness? It's because they have a vain imagination playing in their mind. All behavior flows out of your imagination. Satan wants your imagination because if he can control your imagination, he can control your destiny. He'll literally use fear and intimidation and it it doesn't even seem like fear and intimidation to that person. They're just selfish. I don't, I don't honor God in this area of my life and I don't honor God in this area of my life and I don't honor God in this area of my life because it's all about what I want. And there's no life in that. I'm so glad that I live during this time because and I'm so glad that these days are kind of coming to the end. Right? Because we could help people with that. Three of the most glorious words I've ever heard Jesus say to me is get over yourself. Tony, what do I need to do, Lord? You need to get over yourself. I am so glad that I've dedicated my life to getting over myself. My flesh hates it. Still, I become a 280-pound baby throwing a fit and... My spirit's going, what in the world are you doing? The Holy Spirit never tells me to get over myself anymore. Now my spirit tells me all the time, get over yourself. Get over yourself. I'm preaching and the Lord wants me to start talking about something stupid I did in my past. I don't want to do that, Lord. Get over yourself. Okay. Because there's no life to live apart from him. There's no life to not flow with him, right? It says here, but that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God and they were, neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Do you know Satan cannot blind the minds of people who are not born again? And let, until they choose to not believe. The Bible says he blinds the minds of those that believe not. Isn't that amazing? Thank God when I chose to believe, he couldn't blind my mind. When you're out talking to somebody, I mean, I've seen atheists go from atheist to believer in two minutes after I spent 
12 months at different times talking to them. And all of a sudden, bam, they got it. Well, what, what was that? The Holy Spirit woke them up and they, they chose to believe it. And then it almost freaks them out. Because all of a sudden they go from, you know, this God thing doesn't, they, he doesn't exist to, wait a minute, I need him. Now, some people, even in that state, will still go, yeah, time out, no, I don't want anything to do. And you'll see them, they'll go back dark again. That's okay. Just keep praying for them. Keep, keep, keep being around them. Aren't you, glad, aren't you glad people never gave up on you? Yeah. Right? But for us as believers, the reason why I'm showing you this is these verses describe the progressive steps that one takes away from the true revelation of God. These are the steps, no matter if you're not saved, or these are the steps that you take to walk away from true revelation if you are saved. And there are just two of them. Number one, you stop glorifying God as God. Number two, and you're not thankful, and your foolish heart will be darkened. In the area of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in the area of healing, in the area of whatever. Does that make sense? But if you'll be thankful, man, I'm telling you if, you, if you study tithes and offerings, at one scripture, Paul even says, listen, if you come to God and give based on what you don't have, it's not accepted. So that means if you drive to church with three bald tires, I remember, man, I remember when I moved to California, I was living on my own, 17 years old. I'm, I'm you know, we moved from Illinois and uh, I'm, I'm living in Southern California. I've got a 73 Brown Maverick. And that winter, it rained more than I've ever seen it rain in California. And I would have to drive. I was working at three McDonald's, or I'm sorry, four different McDonald's to try to get enough hours to be able to live. I was renting a room. 1979, $185 a month to rent a room in 1979 in California. I don't even remember what the minimum wage was, but it wasn't much. Oh, man, I bet it was like three, four. I don't know. It was, what's that? Yeah, probably three. For some reason, 335 is coming up right now. I don't know. But anyway, I had to work and work and work. I was my own, I was my own guardian, so I would literally go into the office if I missed school because I got some extra time because I needed to make some extra money. I'd walk into the office. I'd walk up to the desk and... They'd say, hi, Tony. I think everybody felt sorry for me, you know, and, and I'm like, hi, I go, here's my note. I missed school yesterday. You know, Tony couldn't come to school yesterday because he had to work at McDonald's. Signed, Tony. Here you go. <laughs> Man, I, I'm, I'm, the people in the office are like, and teachers would be like, hey, you know, if you ever need like food or, or something, just, you know, we'll, we're here to help you. Right, But I remember all of these things. So I'm driving this 73 Brown Maverick. Had polyester tires on it. Have you ever remember the polyester tires? Do you know underneath, they're rubber, but underneath them, it's not steel belted, it's polyester. So when, when you have, I mean, tread, I had no tread on my front tires. And there were like white, you could see white threads underneath the rubber. It's a miracle. I'm on the 405 freeway in Southern California. It's pouring. And my, the front end of my car is just hydro. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like surfing to work, man. I mean, it was crazy. I remember one time, and I don't even know what this is. The car had what's called points. I don't even know what that is. I, I, my car wasn't running right, and I took it in to this place. And this guy, he comes back out, and he goes, hey, he goes, how did you get this car here? You know, first of all, it, it looked bad. I couldn't keep my basketball in the back of it, in my trunk, because it rusted out so bad the ball would... I mean, it would, this car was really a piece of work, right? And, uh, and he goes, how did you get this here? Because I didn't see a tow truck. And I'm like, no, I drove it. And he goes, no. He goes, you couldn't have drove this. And I go, what do you mean? I, I drove it. I've been driving it. He goes, he goes, no, and I don't even know if this makes sense. He said something like, the points are completely fried, and they've been this way for a long time. There's no way this car would even start. And I'm like, no, I've been driving it to school. It's just, 
or to school and work and it's just, you know, the engine was running a little rough, so I, I you know, I got paid and, and I had enough money, so I thought I better have somebody look at it. The guy put new points in there for free for me. I think he was so concerned. When I get to heaven, I'll probably meet him. He's like, hey, I was a believer. The Lord told me to bless you, you know, whatever. But, you know, this is the thing. I'm driving a car with white threads underneath the thing, if I come to bring my offering to the Lord and I have three tires like that and one good tire, God says, you better come to me based on what you have. Father, I'm bringing my offering to you or I'm bringing my tithe to you today and I thank you for that one new tire that I have. Or that one, in my case, that one tire that I can't see those white threads, you know? Wow. <laughs> I remember when I got new tires, which I don't think they, they were called retreads, right? Uh, man, I, I, I was driving this car going, this is amazing. Like you, you know, it's raining and I could like change lanes and without looking, is there anybody around me just in case, right? It's kind of crazy. But anyway, you give to God based on thankfulness and he will increase you always. Always. Why did I get off in that stuff? See, after these two steps of rejecting, not glorifying God as God, not being thankful, after these two steps, the individual's mind is free. See, when you stop glorifying God as God and you're not thankful, now your mind is free to do what? to start imagining foolish, wicked, and idolatrous thoughts, which will lead an individual to a hardened heart. It blinds their minds. And see, when a vain imagination starts working, you know, let's say you have a problem with pornography. I remember John Bevere talking about it. I was embarrassed. Now I think it's just awesome because I see, here's this young guy, he's a pretty attractive guy, ministering to a couple thousand people and he's talking about this problem he had with pornography and how he would masturbate several times a day. He, I mean, he'd be in bathrooms everywhere. He goes, it was crazy. I would be walking down a street, see, I'd see a, a, a pornographic magazine in a garbage can or I would walk somewhere and I'd see one laying on the ground. What? What's happening in his life? Those little demons that are assigned against him, he got this vain imagination playing and now they want to keep the behavior going. So they'll plant things. You try to overcome something and all of a sudden, man, he's going to try to bring people in your life and throw thoughts and do this because if you keep the behavior going, what happens is you build the prison that you are imprisoned in. It's called a stronghold. But it doesn't, it, you want to get rid of everything in your life? Be thankful. Do you know everybody in this room has something to be really thankful for? Man, we've been going for what, an hour and five minutes? You, your lungs have been working. Nobody has died. If your lungs stop working right now or if there was not air to breathe, guess what? So I'm so thankful. Father, I thank you. I mean, do you know how many people in the earth would give anything to be able to come and sit in a church service and receive from God and, and actually talk to some believers? I mean, we need to be thankful for that. I'm so thankful that tonight, after this, I'm going to go home and, and, and there is actually a bed for me to sleep in. Right? I mean, I'm so thankful it's warm. Well, it might be warm unless my wife opens the, the window. But then if, if she opens the window, I'll still be thankful that I'm in bed with this gorgeous, beautiful woman. What am I saying? Because if you stay thankful, you will literally, it will connect you to have the ability to lay hold of everything that Jesus has provided for you.
Uh, you increase your capacity. I can't tell you how many times I've helped couples. They hate each other. And I'm like, okay, I want you to carry a piece of paper or write it on your phone or whatever for three days. Anytime you think of something good about your spouse, write it down. And I challenge you to just walk around and just constantly thank God for that. I don't care if they have beautiful eyes, right? I don't know what it is. If there's anything good, start being thankful. And I'm telling you, if two people will do that in a marriage, it'll fix, it'll fix the marriage. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. You want to have miracles? Thankfulness. See, we've all thought, well, if that pastor would just let the Holy Spirit move, man, we'd have miracles in our midst. But the reality of it is, no. It is not the pastor's fault. We're not thankful. The road to the miraculous is thankfulness. Because if you're unthankful, have you, can, can I just be real? Have you ever just, you start thinking about wrong things. Some things that are, that are very real in your life. You've been treated horribly. Things are not good. Your body's hurting. You don't have enough money. Whatever it is. You know, the company you work for is shaky. You're out of work. All this stuff. And you start thinking about that. Has that ever helped you? No, it takes you down a wrong, and then, then you'll get real carnal and you'll go, I just, you know, I just, this faith stuff, I just need to be real. I just need to go talk to somebody about my problems. Does that help you? It's never helped me. But if I start talking about the word and the reality of the answer, that God makes, I've messed this whole thing up, but gosh, then I hear that. I'm going to start thinking about the fact that God, you make a way that no, where there is no way. You're the restorer of lives. You're my deliverer. And I'm so thankful. And see, you can't be thankful unless you're acknowledging and giving glory to God. Why would you be thankful to God if you're not, if you haven't made a decision to glorify him as God. So I, boy, I'm taking a lot of time, but this is so important that we get this. See, we got to stay away from these vain imaginations. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, go ahead and go there. We went there last week. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 Look at what it says for us. But thanks be unto God, or thanks be to God, which gives, it's the Greek word didomai, which gives, if this word means which adds, this word means which causes us, or gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's given to us, he's added, he's caused us to walk in the victory. We need to be thankful. See, now what's really interesting about this, but thanks be to God which gives us the victory. It doesn't say, it doesn't use the Greek word that's past tense. Now, even though 2,000 years ago he gave us the victory, this Greek word, Paul writing to these Corinthians, he used a present, you could say this verb could be used in the present or the future tense. In other words, God wants us to know that this victory that I'm thanking him for is for my present victory and my future victory that has not happened in the natural yet. This is speaking about present and future victories that you have not seen yet. You thank God before. 
That's faith. Isn't that interesting? You can thank your way, in other words, out of any problem in your life and thank your way into every victory in your life. You can thank your way out of sickness and disease and pain into health and healing and wholeness. You'll thank your way into it. Satan does not want you to know that. That was worth you coming to church tonight for. 2 Corinthians 2.14, another scripture we went through last week. Now thanks be, now look at this. It now in, in, in 2 Corinthians 2.14, it says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. Again, this verb can be translated in the present or future tense, denoting that the triumph is for something that you haven't seen yet. In Christ, and makes manifest the savor or the fragrance of his knowledge by us in every, in every place. Like I said last week, Victory has a smell. Victory has a fragrance. God wants you, the fragrance coming off your life, to be victory and to be triumph. How is it? It's because you're thankful. I mean, do you realize that in a very short period of time, we are going to stand face to face with our Lord. We're going to get rid of of this remnant of of spiritual death that's in our flesh. And we're going to live in in the presence, face-to-face of God, free of the curse of the law, free of a sin nature, knowing as we're known, not with a veiled face every month. I mean, we have, we see things, I mean, revelation knowledge is awesome, but I'm telling you, in eternity... Without a sin nature? Have you ever noticed when you're believing God for what you should do for direction? Have you ever noticed that you always know what you should have done? It just sometimes it takes people months. It used to take me decades and years before I'd finally be obedient. And then when I'd finally step into it, I'm going, man, why in the world did I not do this before? But it won't be that way in eternity. You won't have to deal with your flesh. Isn't that amazing? I mean, think of, think of heaven. There will be not one self-centered person there. I know the older I get, I am so happy. I love the scripture that says, there will be no remembrance of the wicked. No remembrance. That's awesome. I mean, it's amazing what our future is. Very short. We have such a little time here. Don't you want to take as many people with you? I sure do. Because I was lost. Man, I, by all rights, I should have grew up in Chicago and been in my biological father's business, which would have caused me to probably be dead or in prison at a very young age. And God took me out of there, didn't even know what was happening. And spared me. I met Jesus. And I, I mean, I meet people my age and, and they don't know God. And I'm like, oh God, I am so thankful I know you. That you never, through all, the, all my life when I started going off this way, man, he would pull me back. And when we get to heaven, do you know, I mean, it's going to be amazing how many intersections we weren't in. How much sickness and disease maybe was in our body that we didn't even know about got healed right in the service. Right? Pastor Mark goes off on the, on the crybaby soprano saxophone and all of a sudden it blows sickness right out of your body. It's the way it works. I'm telling you, this is wonderful. So, Thanksgiving is how you increase your capacity to receive from God. That's a foundational statement that we're going to dive deep into. I'm going to prove this to you so strongly that I'm telling you, 
It's, I believe that God is going to make you ultra sensitive. He's going to show us areas of our life that we need to be thankful in. Thanksgiving puts things in motion that connects you to his blessing. Thanksgiving. Your mouth, the thanksgiving in your mouth is what puts all of this stuff in motion so that you see it in your life. And Satan knows that. That's why he's trying to shut your mouth. And that's why we got to just shut his mouth. Right? Because I'm telling you, when we speak the word, it shuts his mouth. Man, I'm telling you, we need to We need to walk with our eyes fixed on Jesus. I love that story when they're going to the other side and this storm of wind blows up. And they wake Jesus up and go, hey, don't you care that we're perishing? And he gets up and he shut the mouth of the enemy up. The Bible says it's, he said, peace, be still. In the Greek language, he would have stood on this boat and went, and the ocean would have just went and all his disciples would have went whoa right I'm telling you the word of God in your mouth will shut the enemy up I I pray that we enter dimensions of worship here that we literally shake this building with our voices Because we're so thankful for what he has done. Thanksgiving, or we could say it this way, thanking God for what is to come connects us to the victory and triumph. Not thanking God for what's going on in your life. I I don't thank God for the sickness. I thank God in the sickness and thanking God for what is to come. See, I'm fully persuaded. I already know the end result. My God is able to do exceeding abundantly, right? Above all that we ask or think. But it's according to the power that works in us. What is that power? It's a revelation of the love of God that causes us to glorify him and be thankful. And it connects us to the blessing. I'm telling you, there's a reason why the walls of Jericho came down when they shouted. You want walls to come down in your life? Shout the victory. That, it's, it's so important. It appears that the enemy has stolen the shout from the body of Christ. But I've got to tell you, he has not. And there's a shout in us. There's a shout of victory in us that brings the very presence, the very power of God on the scene that will dispel darkness, that will literally change a nation. It'll change our life. It changes this nation One thing at a time. Number one, it changes me. Then it changes those that I come in contact with. And it could spread and it'll change the world. Amen?